0: We're so grateful for your grace toward us and um, the way you love us through Christ and the forgiveness of our sin that we have in him. And we just rejoice at that, um, that our sins will never be remembered against us. And uh, we're so thankful um, and uh, just pray that you would help us as we think about your word and your will for your church, um, as we look into our confession and try to learn more about um, exactly what we believe uh, on these doctrines and talk through these things. We pray that in the process, we learn more about you and um, we just see you in, in all of your holiness and your beauty. And uh, bless all of our families, our homes. We thank you for the way you provide for us and you've been so good to us. And uh, we are thankful for that. We do lift up to you the, the names that have been mentioned. We thank you that Susan's dad um, got through surgery and all that went well. We pray for his healing, that you would continue to take care of him. Um, bless Randy and all the upcoming procedures, tests, everything that he's got to go through. I pray that you would just work all that out for your glory and for his healing. Um, I pray for Von Haynes and his family and uh, ask that you would heal him and just bless um, all the the doctors that will be caring for him and just give them wisdom to do what they do and uh, continue to pray for Kim, Bobby and her family and the, their loss. I know that they're devastated and I pray your blessing of comfort and peace in them, and uh, we lift Anita up to you and continue to ask that you would bless all her family around her um, and her as well, and we thank you for Jacob, and we just pray your blessing on him that you uh, would reach him with the gospel and that you give him him ears to hear it. Lord, just bless um, Karen and Brian as well as they try to figure out how to best care for him, and Uh, trust you in doing what you do and um, pray for um, Jackie that was just here with us and her um, family that was with her and just pray that you would take care of them and bring them out of the situation that they're in and uh, give us the opportunity to help them in whatever way we can Um, and we pray for Caleb, thank you for the good news that we've heard from him and what seems to be a great work of God in his life and I pray for him and his wife and family that you would just uh, supernaturally bring them to yourself and um, just rescue them and uh, like you've done so many of us and we pray uh, for Michael on his trip that's coming up that you would protect him but also bless his family as he's away and uh, just give them a peace knowing that that he's taken care of and uh, again we thank you for Jesus and for all that he is and for who he is and for what he's done and we put our trust in him And we pray for more faith in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We are in a great, great section talking about the perseverance of the saints. This is the P in tulip. If any of y'all remember that, acrostic. Uh, Total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement or particular atonement. Irresistible grace. And then there's this, perseverance of the saints. Um, extremely important, and just like all of the doctrines of grace, they're so connected with every other doctrine. You can't separate one out, um, as my friend used to say. It's like table, table legs. If you move it, if you move one of the legs, it's at least going to be wobbly, and eventually it'll fall. So all these doctrines fit together, and they go together, and they they they're connected, of course, in Christ. But, anyways, the perseverance of the saints um we'll we'll see what it means uh, we try to talk about it a lot but i think we got into this last week for some reason <clears throat> it's different we most of us in the baptist church are familiar with once saved always saved but really this is the biblical doctrine because once saved always saved it seemed to be a way that people said well I, it doesn't really matter about the, the sin in my life and things i've done because i'm saved so that doesn't matter God's going to save me no matter what, and that's not a biblical way to look at what God has done for us in the in the uh, safety and um, security we have in Christ. This is a better way to see it, and we'll see as we read through this what persevering means, because it doesn't mean that we won't sin, and and in a way it is true. Even though we sin, and yet though we sin, we cannot be separated from the love of Christ the love of God in Christ Jesus but the doctrine of perseverance doesn't teach us que sera, sera, don't worry about it you're going to sin no matter what but it does teach us as all the other doctrines do to continue to look to Christ when you fail look to Christ when you fail look to Christ because um, as John said um, I write to you that you sin not but when you sin you have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ and so um, I think that's the proper way to see this, and, and as usual, um, the framers of this um, co- uh, this confession just word it so wonderfully well, and they have such a grip on the English language. And this is not even in the original because this is the one that we read is an updated, um, modern modernized version, but it's still it's still beautiful. So let's read through it, and then we'll try to talk a little bit about it. So it says, those that God has accepted in the beloved, that he is effectually called, that he is sanctified by his spirit, and given the precious faith of his elect, can neither totally nor finally fall from a state of grace. So that right there is a lot in and of itself. And it is interesting um, in all the confessions um, that we talk about like the First London Confession, uh, the Savoy Confession that we've mentioned before, and uh, uh, Westminster, they all have pretty much the same wording here at the beginning, and beloved is always capitalized. Those God has accepted, in some people pronounce it beloved, some people pronounce it beloved, but that is because the beloved is Christ. What God has accepted his people in is Christ. And he has accepted us um, not because of his works, even though his works matter, not even because of his blood, but because it's his son. It is Christ, That's right? So we are accepted in the blood. That's the only way we're accepted. We're not accepted because we put our faith in Christ. We're not accepted because we've repented. We're accepted because God accepts Christ. And in Christ, he has called us. And not only called us, but as it says here, he has effectually called us. And we talked about this before too, right? The effectual calling of God. There's a general call of the gospel where we do all the time. We preach the gospel. General call. Everybody can hear the general call, but only the elect of God hear the effectual call. Because it is effectual. It does something. Specifically, it brings you from death to life. That's something a preacher can't do. I can call you to faith in christ but only god can effectually call you to christ only god can awaken you from the dead and put life uh breathe life into your soul and, and put your bones back together and, and uh, as ezekiel points out um it, it, the, only god can do that and that is the effectual call we talked about that before and then it says and also of course he has sanctified us by his spirit we just uh we just finished um talking about good works and sanctification I want to say was there a whole? have we already covered the whole chapter about sanctification or was that still coming up I think we did yeah chapter 13 with sanctification so we talked about that already um, sanctified by his spirit um, we talked about how that's where the good works come from if we do good works they're of God they're from him and then he's given us the precious faith of his elect. That means there's only a, one faith that God has promised to his elect and he gives it to us. And so that foundation is pretty solid to go on and make this statement. So if we are accepted in the blood and effectually called and sanctified by the spirit and given the faith that God gives only to his elect, then we can neither totally nor finally fall from state of grace. So there is no way to fall oh, in the sense that we're no longer saved, right? There's just no way. And I know I say this a lot. If you understand the order of salvation, the order of that we talk about, if you understand that at all, there's no way you can get this one wrong. If you believe, if you can understand at all how justification happens, there's no way you can believe you can lose your salvation. I just don't see how. Anytime I've had this conversation before, um, I, had, I used to live next door to a, um, a Pentecostal um, pastor's church. Uh, it's not Pentecostal. What is it? Um, well, it was similar. It's Church of God. Anyways, he started this conversation with me. He said, well, I mean, you know, we believe you can lose it, but y'all don't. But the main thing is we believe the same about how you get it. And I said, well, we really don't. Because if we did, then we would agree on this. Because you think you did something to get it and so you can do something to lose it. If you understand that before the foundation of the world God chose you in Christ to be elected and he chose you and accepted you in the blood and that your name was written before the foundation of the world in the book of life, how on earth are you going to get rid of that? There's nothing that we as, as earthly temporal beings can do to undo what God has done in all eternity. And so really... I just believe if you can get, if you understand total depravity, um, unconditional election, and particular atonement, then irresistible grace makes sense, and perseverance is the only logical conclusion. Does that make sense? There's just no way that we can undo what has been done before we even got here. And now, at a point in time, God did effectually call you from death to life but that's because he had decreed that to happen and it was going to happen and there's no way it'll unhappen right i mean to me that's just exciting i don't know how else you, i wouldn't want to look at salvation any other way because no wonder i can never totally or finally fall from the state of grace because i didn't do anything to get to grace or else it wouldn't be grace right the bible says that it's of works and it's no longer of grace so it has nothing to do with me, but and I like that it says can either totally or finally. So it didn't say you can't fall at all, because it's going to go on and talk about that. We are going to sin and fall, but you won't you won't fall totally, and you certainly won't fall finally. And to me, again, this doctrine of perseverance is the one that you can say. we say something like "Well, time will tell is this person a Christian I don't know are any of y'all believers I don't know I I see what I think to be fruit yeah I hope you look at me and say it seems like he's a believer but you know what we'll know because of perseverance now I think God identifies with our spirit he he um, makes known to us and gives us assurance but my hope is this that no matter how many times I mess up and fall short failed to do the things I should, and uh, do the things I shouldn't. I will be finally saved because of the perseverance, the doctrine of perseverance. And to me, that's beautiful and wonderful. Um, does anybody want to say anything about that first sentence before I keep reading? Add any comments? Does anybody want to disagree? Y'all probably wouldn't be here if you didn't want to, if you disagree with that. Uh, all right, it says they will certainly persevere in grace to the end and be eternally saved because again the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable 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 I don't know people say that differently too I say it differently every time I say it I don't know what the right way to say it is irrevocable it cannot be revoked and that's uh, Romans chapter 11 I think that's is that not in the list down there That's Romans chapter 11 when he's talking about Israel. Is Israel going to find, did God have no purpose with Israel? Of course he did. But what does he say? They're disobeying disobeying the gospel for your benefit. But they will be saved. God will save Israel, not necessarily the nation of Israel, but he will save his people because that's his purpose. And the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. He doesn't change his mind which i think the whole purpose of israel anyway was to show god's purpose in election he elects who he wants to and don't elect who he don't want to and he chose israel for whatever reason there's nothing particular about israel he even says that i didn't choose you because you have more horses and bigger armies i chose you because i chose you and it's true about us we can't look and say well what reason did you choose me i chose you because i chose you and that's another thing you know people will hear that doctrine say well you must think you're special. No, I really don't. I mean, now I am, but I, it wasn't because I did something before. I have no way to say God chose me because all I know is he chose me, but that is why, because he chose me. And that's the same for everybody. So, is that the same for Israel? I think it is the same for Israel, yeah. I mean, they have nothing to boast about. He chose them because he chose them. and And again, I think he chose them to just give us a, Picture of what does election look like? This the whole world full of uh, peoples, and he chose this one to to bring his law to, to for the angels to to whatever it says. The angels come, gave him law Yeah, but I know there's a lot. Of, uh, there can be disagreement about that part of it, but um, but it is true that there was no reason he chose Israel, that other than he just did. Um, and therefore he still brings about and nourishes in them faith repentance, love, joy, hope and all the graces of the spirit that lead to immortality and so um, there's so many uh, great verses that you could think of to support that that one sentence right there Um, John chapter 10 Jesus said I give them eternal life and they will never perish No one will ever snatch them out of my hand. There's just so much. um, What else? He said, I've never lost one because my Father's given them to me. Um, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. There's just so many Bible verses that speak to this. God began the good work. He will complete it. And then here comes the part to to describe never finally or totally falling from a state of grace. Even though many storms and floods arise and beat against them, that is, the elect, the people of God, even though storms arise and beat against them, yet these things will never be able to move the elect from the foundation and rock to which they are anchored by faith. The felt sight of the light and love of God may be clouded and obscured from them for a time through their unbelief and their temptations of Satan. Yet God is still the same. They will certainly be kept by the power of God for salvation where they will enjoy their purchased possession. For they are engraved on the palms of his hands and their names have been written in the book of life from all eternity. I mean, that right there is just like a massive sermon in about four sentences. And it's the, it's the source of our hope, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, that's where we live, is it not? In the storms, in the floods that beat against us, the things of the world, the things of Satan, the battles that we can't even see, the spiritual realms of battles that we don't even know anything about, the times of unbelief, times of temptations, times we fail, to tem- we fail in temptation, all those things clouding and obscuring from us the love of God and the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we cannot finally or totally fall because God will come get his people. And he just will. He will always come get his people. That's a good word right there. It's a great word. It's written so wonderfully. His character would be Right. And he can't mourn his character. No. He never can go against his word either. Uh, 2 Timothy 2 God's firm, firm foundation stands having this seal the Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who knows who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Um, so many other places I was looking at these other verses here because I was thinking there was a, the one it's there was a verse that said something like, about what you just said, Melissa, about Mar his name. Um, I can't remember the verse. I read it earlier. All right. Y'all don't want to say anything about this? That's good stuff right there. It's too good to even comment on much, isn't it? I mean, that's our hope. That is the whole hope of the Christian faith. One of the verses, Psalm eighty-nine. if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments then I will punish their transgressions with a rod and their iniquity with stripes (coughs) of course we know that's Christ yeah that's right he did do that by his stripes we've been healed Mm -hmm. so it's not that our sin hasn't been punished it has. It's been paid for, punished well, completely. Which is why, again, we cannot. We sang. We sang about this Sunday. This is why we cannot be brought back under, judge, under judgment. How can I cannot be punished what, what does that song say? It says it so wonderfully well. Basically, I can't be punished. My sin can't be punished twice, once at my surety's hand and again, and then again at mine. I don't know if y'all noticed that one little phrase in that song Sunday, but that's what it's meaning here. It's already been paid. I can't be brought back up. You know, it's better, than, it's better than our justice system double jeopardy clause. It's way better than that. I can't be brought back under trial because Christ has paid my debt. So I have no more debt. And there's not even this idea that, well, what about the stuff you had not confessed yet? Well, glory, hallelujah. I mean, all of it's paid for. Yeah. I mean, because I don't know about you, but I most of the time I, I sin and I know it, but I can't forget stuff. You know what I mean? I'm thankful I'm not going to be brought under judgment for the stuff I forgot. What about that little thought you had and you didn't confess it? And there's people that believe that. I mean, in fact, the Catholic Church teaches that. That's why you have to continually go to confession. And you have to keep confessing the things that you don't even know about. Confess to unknown, which is nothing wrong with confessing to God and talking to God and uh, begging for... I don't know that we have to beg for forgiveness, though. I mean, I kind of shared this with you a few weeks ago. I've got to a place where in my prayer life, I don't ask God to forgive me. I thank Him that I have forgiveness. I think that's a more proper biblical stance. Why am I asking him to do something he's already said he's done? The confession, I think, is more about us recognizing the sin in our lives yes. than it is asking forgiveness from it. Yeah. Well, like we talked about, real re- re- the word repentance does not mean turn. It means to agree with God. Right. And if you agree with God, that's real repentance. I agree that this is sin and I've sinned against God. And then he gives us a repentance that we can't make up. That comes only from him. But I do think that I don't know. I've, I've, I still catch myself. Well, I think in comparison to the world, though, there are a lot of people, you know, when you talk about these things, they say, well, I'm not a bad person. God wouldn't, you know. Yep. They don't see their sin. The ability to see it and confess it is a gift from God, and that's what the confession comes from. Just... Well, I think I saw Michael was having a conversation with somebody about the Ten Commandments, and uh, people think they've kept the Ten Commandments. Yeah, right. Well, just keep the Ten Commandments. Okay. Yeah, Have you done it that Yeah. If he, it's great till you go to see what Jesus said about it. And then you start realizing. Yeah, if you break one, you yeah. one. And if you've ever broken it, you're a lawbreaker. It's not like you get another chance. And so again, um, that's, I mean, that's the beauty of the Christian faith. And we talk about this a lot. All of us were raised in, in a kind of, Condition where I think we we did believe that, that oh, I, you know I got to confess everything I don't want to die without confessing and I don't want God to be angry with me and and I think that I think again that's the Jesus saying Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Come, take my yoke upon you. And you find out that we're supposed to rest in Him and trust in Him. We're not supposed to like sin, and we're not going to because we're His. And even that one passage I read, "Hey, let whoever names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity." I mean, that was even Jesus to the woman uh, called adultery. I don't condemn you either. Now go. He didn't say now go do what you want to. Go and sin no more. I mean, that's the call to the Christian, um, to the church. Go and sin no more. But it's also the call that again. But when you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, and it's that learning to put okay. Obviously, Lord, my faith has been slack today. I have, you know, I've I've been experiencing some unbelief because I've sinned. Because if I don't believe you and my faith wavers, then I sin. Because right, I mean, in the garden, if they would have believed God, they wouldn't have fallen. But they chose to not believe God. So there are times in our life, and I really believe that all sin is rooted in unbelief because there's somewhere we chose not to believe God that he had what's best for us and we ch- chose for ourselves. And so we fall and we sin. But those are the times that we, I think, that we're taught to run back to him and, uh, yeah, cry, Abba, Father, but not, Oh, God, I don't know how you can ever forgive me for what I've done. Uh, there's a cross with the Savior that died on it. Thankfully, he's off of it and he's, re- he's risen again at the right hand of the Father. That's how I can forgive you, you know, and I have forgiven you. Um, anyways. Somebody said, and I don't know if it's attributed to Spurgeon or Martin Luther or somebody. Anyway, said that <clears throat> when we look at ourselves and our sin, we can't understand how God could forgive us. But then, when we look at Christ and all He is, then you you can't understand how anybody can be lost. Yeah. So you know, it's all a matter of where your your focus is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Well, good. Y'all want to move to the next section? (coughs) We can talk about that first chapter, first little number one forever. It says in two, the perseverance of the saints does not depend on their own free will, but on the unchangeableness of the decree of decree of election. So again, uh, just like our justification our perseverance doesn't depend on our ability to keep it our our will it depends on god's will and in god's will he determined within the within the covenant of redemption before the creation of anything god the holy spirit god the father and god the son decreed that his people he would save his people from their sins and they would finally and fully be saved and nothing would ever tear them from him so it's based on God's own free will not on anything to do with our will. Thank the Lord. Because there again, the Bible don't have good things to say about our will. I mean, it just doesn't. And it clearly d- tells us that our wills are not involved in salvation. I mean, John chapter 1 is very clear. It is not according to the will of the flesh, not according to the will of man, but according to the will of God. Our wills do not play a part, except for that God changed us and made our wills willingly trust christ so that's um why this is brought up i think hey and here's the thing you don't have to hold on to god what's that old saying Your, uh, i think this was spurgeon your your hope is not in holding on to god but his hold of you and um so and what was it i heard i think it was spurgeon again it said uh nobody could nobody could have grabbed onto the outside of the ark and survived. The only hope was to be inside the Mm -hmm. ark, shut up by the love of God. And the same is true when it comes to salvation. You ain't going to hold on to nothing. And you're not going to make anything happen. Our hope is in God's free, unchangeable will in the decree of election. And that way no man, no power, uh, as Romans 8 says, there's no power in heaven or earth that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing because it flows from the free and unchangeable love of God the Father. And it's based on the efficacy of, and merit of, of the efficacy is based on the efficacy of the merit and intercession of Jesus Christ in union with Him. Remember Hebrews? He ever lives to make intercession for us? Hey, we will be saved again, not because of our hold on Him because of His hold on us in his intercession for us. He is always going before between us and the Father. God's wrath will not fall on us because it has to go through Christ and it already has. It's also, it's also based on the oath of God. That's the verse I was looking for. Where is that? That's Hebrews also. Uh, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So God's, God made an oath to himself. So like somebody said earlier, the character of God would be marred. God promised, made a promise and an oath that he would save his people and he will save them. And there was nothing that can undo that. Uh, also the abiding of his spirit, the seed of God within them, and the nature of the covenant of grace. Yes, the nature of the covenant of grace. Again, it can't be undone. And the certainty and the infallibility of their perseverance is based on all these things. The covenant of grace as put forth by the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament, I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them and I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. It's just amazing when you actually read the Bible, you see that it's God that does everything. How we've taken the gospel and turned it to where it's about us instead of about God, it's, it's it's very discouraging and it's very sad. And that we've made people think that the Bible is all about them. My goodness, if you listen to somebody like Stephen Furtick, who's a very popular preacher, every passage in the Bible is about him, and therefore about you. And and sometimes you just wonder, like, dude, you, do you realize there's this guy named Jesus? I mean, that's who the Bible is about. It's not about you. But um, anybody want to say anything else right there? We may get all the way through this. Number three. All right. And here again, this is some more good news. They may, that's us, the the people of God, they may fall into grievous sins and continue in them for a time. Now I think this does well for all of us because we've all been here before where we said, well, I don't care. If you're saved, you don't do that. If you're saved, you can't make that. You can't make that mistake. You can't. And I would say that if that's the tenor of your life and you're never doing anything but sinning, that's problematic. But I like that it points out the people of God even may fall into grievous sins and continue in them for a time. Which is why we don't give up on people, right? We don't just write them off and say, well, they must be like the people John talked about. They went out from us because they never were of us and if they'd been of us, they wouldn't have left. Well, that's... uh, the the apostle can make that declaration but we need need to be careful about making that declaration until they're gone forever because we don't know but he says they they can even continue in these grievous sins for a time due to the temptation of Satan and the world and the strength of corruption remaining in them, that flesh that we still have and the neglect of means of their preservation in doing so they incur God's displeasure and grieve his Holy Spirit Their graces and comforts become impaired. Their hearts are hardened and their conscience is wounded. They hurt and scandalize others and bring temporary judgments on themselves. Nevertheless, they will renew their repentance and be preserved through faith in Christ Jesus to the end. I mean, again, that's just just amazing. That really is amazing grace right there. That is... Now... That's not a that's not a license to go live however you want to. That's not a license to sin, and I don't think these men. I mean, these men were like Puritans. All right, they you know, you didn't even tilt your eyes in the wrong. I mean, these dudes were serious about living holy lives, but they also recognized the human flesh and the temptation of the world, and our desire um, to be of the world, and sometimes falling into these sins. I think they understood this that that can happen to the people of God but they will renew their repentance and be preserved through faith in Christ Jesus to the end. I mean it happens all through the scriptures. The people that we look at. Yeah. Right. He chose that. And he wouldn't leave there. And Abraham lied about his wife and all kinds of things, and David and Bathsheba, and the list goes on and on. Um, but I love that. I mean, that last that last sentence. Nevertheless, if they belong to God, they will renew their repentance and be preserved through faith in Christ Jesus to the end, because God will give them repentance. And so, to me, that gives us a lot of hope. I think that gives us hope for people that we know that we think might be gone too far, but we don't know. But what we do know, and and this is why it's so important, I think, to be around the gospel and to hear the preaching of the gospel. Even the church, the people of God. Because a lot of people say, well, I mean, say people don't need to hear the gospel. Yes, they do, because the gospel is what renews our repentance and our faith. We tend to think that the gospel is just that which saves, but it's also that which preserves. It's that which encourages us and spurs us on to live the faith out. And when we hear that gospel, We, if we're the people of God, we recognize, I don't think it's uh, we need to be saved again, but it's, wow, that's who I am. That's my Savior. I'm in Christ. Why am I dragging myself back to the world again? He's lifted me out of that. He's brought me out of the mire, as David said. Put my feet back on solid ground. Why do I go back and jump in the mud again? And so, um, anyway. Just good, good stuff. And I think that's a more proper way, and a more encouraging way, than to think about, oh, you got to be saved again. You messed up, now you got to go back and get saved again. Yeah, yeah. See, if you preach the gospel, you don't have to preach those kind of things. And I, I think uh, some people will hear it and and recognize it for what it is, and God will use it to bring him back to him, to himself. We we need we've been we've become so um decision oriented that we 've got to figure out a way to get people to make decisions and do stuff so we can see it and we can write it down and we can report it um, but you know just the everyday stuff that we live in and coming together like this and hearing the gospel again, hearing the good news of Christ renewing that that we're renewed by that, and we 're given a, a new vigor to follow him and to trust him more. You know, I can't report that on Facebook, you know, man, uh, but we know it as the people of God, we know when it happens, and it's a glorious thing, and I think that's, that's why we gather, we, we gather to exhort one another, and encourage one another, and bear one another's burdens, and through that, God gives us worship of Him, because He's the only one that, it's because of Him that we can do those things, right, and, um, it, it causes us to worship Him, and, uh. You know, I love that. Uh, I I brought it up to y'all. I I, I get confused if it was last week or the week before. But when I heard that guy say he he had lost his son, he said, I I came to church just because I knew I needed to come to church. But he said, I couldn't even sing because I was so hurt. But he said, as I listened to the church sing, y'all were bearing me up. Y'all were singing for me. I couldn't even sing, but the church was singing. And so, therefore, I was singing, even though words couldn't come out of my mouth. And, and to me, that's the, that's a picture of the New Testament calling us to exhort one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And we sing and we worship. And worship is supernatural, and it's something that God does when His people come together. You can't you can't generate it. You know, I can't scream at y'all and say, "All right, now worship." I can't make that happen. Well, you could. Scream I can scream that, but I can't but I make worship can't, happen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And I can't say, close your eyes and lift up your hands and let's worship. That doesn't, none of that stuff brings worship. It's a supernatural act that God blesses his people with when they gather under the preaching of the gospel and the singing of the gospel. So, all right, anyways. And I think that's part of persevering. I mean, it's the joy that he gives us when we come together and we meet and we do the things that we've been called to do we take the supper together and we're renewed again because we receive that grace even that's why we do it often because I mean I don't want to do that once every three or four months I want to do it often it's just like preaching why would we neglect we wouldn't neglect the preaching of the word we don't need to neglect the grace of the supper either so um, alright anybody want to say anything have we ever made it through one whole chapter in one night? Well, that's wonderful. Y'all are getting better at listening. <laughs> Let's talk. Now, uh, after we pray, I think Nicole's gonna sing again, and then. I'll be to. I Just let me know what you want to hear. Be specific, though. Don't just call out first names. Don't call out first names. Yeah. all right well let's uh let me pray and then then we can hang out or whatever father we love you and we thank you so much for this beautiful doctrine of perseverance and i pray that you could keep it before us and continually remind us of this what a beautiful thing it is that um we can never fall from grace uh, totally and certainly not completely and um maybe some of us even right now are in a, in a time of despair, a time of coldness and darkness, uh, where the light of Christ has been become dim, I pray that you would renew our repentance and renew our faith and give us a new, a fresh um, just understanding of the beauty of the cross and what happened there and how um, all of the handwriting of the ordinances that were against us were nailed to his cross. And there's nothing left. There's nobody left to condemn and nothing left to condemn. And so help us live that way in in the joy of who Christ our Lord is. And we pray this in his name. Amen.